suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, welcome back, dear listener. Episode 264 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. We're a couple of minutes late because I had a few technical issues, but we should be fine. So welcome aboard. This is a podcast. We talk about news and politics, sex and religion. I am Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me, as always, on this occasion via Zoom, remotely connecting in, is Scott the Velvet Glove. Scott, welcome. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Warren. G'day, Paul. G'day, listeners. And, of course, Paul the 12th Man. Greetings, Earthlings. And was the beer sponsor. Hello, everyone. Right. Here we are. It's, well, I sent you guys a list of um, reading material. You did? <laughs> it was about, I had to think how many words are in it. Like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot, just, you know, not just COVID. There's and a you lot. started your notes with uh, not much to talk about this week. Yeah, well, I was a bit sarcastic. <laughs> Insert sarcasm <laughs> comment, yes. So, um, uh, KB in the chat room, if you're in the chat room and you're watching, say hello, that's great. Um, yes, I'm back from a holiday. I had a marvellous time sailing a yacht on the Whitsundays mm, and jealous. plotting the working Jelly. class revolution from the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. That was good. Um, it's like a completely different world up there. Mm. Like there's no pandemic. The world, the sun's shining, the birds are singing, oh. you sit in bars and have beers and um, you just would not know. And what a spectacular um, part of the mm. world. Very international as well because yachties, yeah. you know, from all over the world. Yeah. I guess if you're on a yacht and you're in Australia and when it all broke <laughs> out, why would you leave? So lots of uh, Italian, Brazilian, French accents in the marina mm. as you wandered around. Um, so that was good. Um, highly recommend it to anybody thinking of it. Thank you to um, Tim and Valmay for inviting us. Right. Um, last week we talked about COVID again. And, you know, if it wasn't such a big topic, I'd be tempted to just give it a miss for a week. Like I can understand that people are just over it to some extent. But for goodness sake, you know, the uh, – Victoria is shut down for six weeks, so we do have to go through it. So, you know what I might do, dear listener, is is if you've just had enough of COVID and you're listening to the to this audio, I'm going to put something in the show notes, a little top where I'll say we stopped talking about COVID at the one hour ten minute mark or whatever, <laughs> and you can just go straight there if you've had enough of it because I understand that that <laughs> yeah. you might have. So, Very understandable. so yeah, if you've if you've had enough of COVID and you want to skip it, then um, if you're on the live sh- uh, show, like Bronwyn, um, you're going to have to stick with us. But um, if you're listening to the recorded one and you've had enough COVID, then check out the show notes and I'll tell you when we stop talking about it because you probably uh, might feel like that. So last week, um, well, two weeks ago, episode 263, was – I got a bit of feedback. Mm. <laughs> Send it to you. <laughs> I'll read uh, – shall I read some for the – yeah, and just yeah. Go. So, um, so you frustrated a few people from Craig. Yeah. Uh, we had 
a message to me saying, Trevor, you did a valiant job on the COVID discussion in the last podcast in the face of the challenges of the beer sponsor and 12th man. You were spot on as far as I was concerned. This is Craig, uh, deep throat Craig. At least for me, banging my head against a wall while listening to the podcast made a difference to yelling at the TV while the drummer's on. There we go. Can I just respond to that one? Yes. I'm not a doctor, Craig. <laughs> But don't bang your head against the wall. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's good for you. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. Uh, Greg's in the chat room and he's in Victoria as well. Uh, look, I feel sorry if you got, like, genuinely sorry for you guys down there. So, from Robbie. So, uh, Robbie's a mate of mine and he was, uh, oh my God, was, is infuriating. I usually listen to IFEG as I head to sleep at night and I can spread out the episode over a week. But tonight, he's woken me up and made me want to yell at my phone. <laughs> I hope you get better sleep tonight, Robbie. <laughs> I really do. I sincerely hope you get better sleep tonight. And um, Paul said, oh, Paul didn't like, um, didn't think you followed logic and uh, he was frustrated with you and offered to replace you as a beer sponsor. Yes. Um, so. And where's the beer, Paul? Well, yeah. no, he, he's, it's my fault. He has um, – oh. I've got to get back okay. to him. Well, I was away for a week sailing oh, and yachting. So, Paul, Paul, I will get back to get you. Get in contact. I'll yes. send you my address. Send the beer straight to me yes. in the future. And Broman as well sent a, a lengthy message saying that uh, that she couldn't listen anymore and had to turn off um, – it was just making her angry. But she's and back tonight. Good on you, Bronwyn. Good on you, Bronwyn. You are. And I had a little conversation with Bronwyn and a um, little debate. And here's the thing is uh, in podcast world, in television world, in radio world, you really don't get much debate and argument mm. in depth. Like, you know, even when these so-called panel shows on regular mainstream mm. TV – have somebody from the opposition camp on to give the alternate view. Normally, the panel has got, these days, five, six yeah, people, yeah. quite commonly. They're cramming something into a half-hour show and they're really just down to little sound bites where each speaker might get, overall, a couple of minutes. Mm. Like They really don't get into an in-depth, um, knock-them-down, drag-them-out sort of you said this, no, you said that, and what do you really mean by this? It just doesn't happen anywhere. No. I, I show, tell me a show that doesn't. So, well, so, I don't know of any podcasts that yeah, do. Yeah, and, and I, I listen to a fair few podcasts. Yeah, so you know, full credit to you, Trevor, for creating this environment where so, so, we do have this type of discussion. Yeah, so it is kind of our our thing is is a debate, and and um, and I do recognise that you might uh, think was had some offbeat ideas some people do obviously yeah. and um but if you agree with me say and you disagree with was then rather than getting frustrated by what was is saying then um take enjoyment from the little wins i might have along the way like if you're going mm. come on trevor you should be <laughs> saying this or you should or scott you should be saying this or the counter argument is whatever and we actually say it then you should go yeah so so I can understand you'd be frustrated because you're a little bit powerless having to listen in, but maybe like a football team or a basketball team and you're on the sidelines rooting for your team, <laughs> maybe you think of it that way. I yeah. don't know. Um, but so, good on you, Bronwyn, for actually giving some constructive yes, criticism. Yes, Bronwyn always does. Mm. Yeah. Yes, she does. The, so, other, the other three just mm. 
vented their frustration. They had a bit of a vent. And, yeah. it could, and but, could it also right. be that some people disagree with you, Trevor? And I'm, I'm sure there must be at least a couple. Yes, there would be. I know right-wing Tony's son sent you some warm words of encouragement. Oh, is that right-wing It Tony's was son? indeed, yes. And thank you for that. So, uh, so yes, you did. And the other thing, I'd, the other comment I'd make is that um, that we were kind of ahead of the game talking about suppression versus elimination. Mm-hmm. So it became a big topic afterwards. Mm. And also, Q and A five days later had Gigi Foster on, mm. who was basically making a lot of the same arguments that you were making. True. Did you watch the Q&A with Gigi Foster or not? Yeah, I mean, she's an economist and, yeah. and I've got very little interest in right. economy. Well, okay, but she was sort of talking about uh, lives cost through shutdown, or you were certainly saying that. So some of the ideas that people might have been objecting to were actually raised in the Q&A yeah. one. So, so, um, so that's um, – uh, so – yeah, it's can I, can I mention mm. something along mm. uh, related to that? And I, I would, I actually have pretty much given up watching the drum. I have to say, but mm. I occasionally just sort of turn it on and have a quick glimpse just to see if I can handle watching it at all. Mm. Mm. And I did. I think it was yesterday or the day before, and they were talking about COVID. What else? And uh, one of the panelists was making a comparison between people who disagree with lockdown and people who challenge the notion that the climate is changing. She was saying basically these people who who disagree with the lockdown and the other measures the government has taken are the same as climate change deniers. And I just thought what an absolutely stupid thing to say. I mean there's no similarity at all between the, the phenomena and it's just a you know a very convenient way of dismissing people with a different point of view, and I I was quite disgusted because it was spoken by a, a woman that I normally quite respect and have often thought you know said quite sensible things. Right. Well, I think there is a correlation really? between the two people who are skeptical of lockdown. And who are skeptical of climate change? Is is that what- what's the connection? Um, spiked. Now, what's the connection? <laughs> what's the connection between the two phenomena? But, though but, they're but, completely unrelated. But, but would you agree that that spiked has an anti uh, sort of a climate scepticism and a lockdown scepticism? Yes, thing, right? they they do. So, but so, that could be just coincidental, surely. Right. Um, but I, I can see that in that. Really, I think but, there's a big difference between scepticism and denying. Though. Yeah, but I think scepticism is healthy. Denying is is yeah. not healthy. But, but I mean, climate change denial is a, a kind of made up category anyway, isn't mm-hmm. it? Really, and so now, it, but it's a very convenient way of dismissing people who look, disagree with you. Look, I can see similarities between the two groups, and um, <laughs> and add to it a, a dismissal of Greta Thunberg. And I can nearly picture the person. Greta Thunberg? So, yeah. Let, there we go. Don't get so, me started on Greta Thunberg, okay? Prove my point. <laughs> <laughs> there are some common threads with some of these arguments with certain groups. Oh, so, you know, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, let's move on to some uh, some topics. Um, 
and not be quite so self-indulgent. Sorry for all that. Um, let's talk about, well, Victoria. All those in favour of a six-week shut shutdown as proposed by the Andrews government say aye. 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 Crickets. All right. Okay. So you, um, for all the reasons you've said before, any other reasons that you want to add or just the Look, same as what you've said before? I, I would say on top of everything, how many lockdowns are going to be necessary for the government's plan to, you know, eliminate the virus, which seems to be their plan? They seem to think they can get rid of it. How many times do they think they're going to lock the state down Actually, until it happens? I, I don't know that anyone's got an answer to that, Paul, yeah. but, you know, Is that your clearly point? you can't go on recording 720 new infections every day. Well, clearly you can't keep locking the economy down either and, you know. You've got to lock it down, though, for an extended period of time and you've got to do it for a long time. But, but no, no new time. reasons. Any new reasons above what you've already said? Every like, time you go into lockdown... Hmm. It's another kick in the guts of the economy. And, you know, the economy can only take so many kicks before it collapses on the floor. Well, yeah, I've provided we a We started with government money. We've provided counter-arguments for that and you just didn't like that argument. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, the only, only point I'd like to add is that there's no evidence to support lockdowns making a significant impact. So I would have to disagree with you. Until, until there's evidence that supports it. Um, I yeah. agree. We've seen no concrete... Uh, evidence that And we're seeing a lot of European countries coming out now and saying, you know, if we do get a second wave, we won't be locking down again because that was a dumb idea. Which countries? Uh, France and mm. UK. It is a dumb idea. You, you... Do you gents listen to Coronacast? No. No, what's that about? Right. It's every, every, every morning. It's by Dr Norman Swan. Oh, God. Well, we know well, the ABC... The ABC is totally on board with oh. the government's program. So you don't expect to hear any dissenting opinion on Norman the ABC. Swan. So we we don't like Norman Swan? Not Norman per, not, Swan. I don't dislike him personally. We don't, we don't like his ideas at all? No, I just don't think we're going to hear anything different from on him. On the 23rd of April, mm-hmm. 23rd of March, sorry, when we sort of officially entered lockdown, Norman Swan said that we'd have Seven or eight thousand deaths by the next week, and he's still got a job, cool. and no, we're still listening listen to, to it. it. <laughs> it's just I, to, I don't I know how you can make a morning. prediction, a forecast listen. that is so completely wrong, and people are still listening to you. Broman in the chat room says, okay. epidemiologists seem pretty convinced that it will work and that we will see results in about two weeks. I thought we all agreed that we should listen to experts. What do you say to that? But not all the experts exactly. are saying that. I agree wholeheartedly with you. So you, you think it's amongst the experts? You think it's uh, 50-50? Or, I haven't or, or do you think you're in a, this is more than an epidemiological problem? This one, right? It's a it's a multidisciplinary problem. You can't right. just be guided by one branch right. of science. And and would you think would you think the weight of experts would be in favour of what the government is doing, like the majority? Do you think it's sort of a minority view that you guys have, or do you think it's, um, you know, you obviously think it's correct, but do you think that 
the majority think the opposite and that they're just wrong? Is that yeah? Do, I, do, I think the majority disagree of, of the, with lockdown, right? Yeah. Of, of experts, yeah, majority of experts, yeah, disagree with lockdown. Yeah, really. From what from I, what you I don't know, right? Frankly, I would have yeah. thought it's quite a minority. Mm-hmm. I. I I don't hear too much outside of Spiked and Spectator yeah. that are well, in favour. Michael, Michael Levitt is someone that I listen to a lot. Who? Michael Levitt. Where's he from? He's um, he's from he's based in California, but he's an Israeli British. He's yeah. he's a multinational guy. He's a Nobel laureate, and he's made a number of predictions throughout this pandemic, and they've been. Far more accurate than mm. any of the um, virologists. Mm. Yes, and a majority doesn't necessarily mean they're right. But no, either. I'm just interested in whether you think you're in the minority. No idea. For example, on climate change, mm-hmm. uh, climate change deniers who are convinced that you know uh, it, uh, that it's that it's not true uh, uh, would accept that they're in the minority and that the majority of scientists are against them, but they would say that there are reasons why in terms of funding, et cetera, why that's the case. So they kind of accept that they're in the minority. I just wondered whether you guys accept that you're in the minority and your experts are in the minority. You don't I don't really that, care. Right? No. Well, I, I don't – I care, so I'm asking whether you think. I, I'm I have no idea. Okay, that's all I need but to But I know. have read yeah. dissenting opinions from people who work in uh, yep. medical and biological sciences. Yes, um, so clearly it's not just me and Waza who are obviously not experts. Hmm. I just wondered whether you, there's obviously thousands of experts, let's obviously. face it. So I just wondered mm. whether you thought you were in a minority or not. And you don't know. No idea. And you think, I you, think, think you are? You think it is a minority view amongst experts that, that the shutdowns shouldn't happen? Uh, I think the majority of experts would be against Shut down. Lockdown. Right. Just in terms of the population, um, this was done from Essential Report from the 28th of July, so seven days ago. Um, Out of the following two strategies, which do you think Australian government should pursue in its response to the COVID-19 outbreak? And there was the elimination strategy and the suppression strategy. And uh, of Australians, ordinary Australians, one assumes, Mm -hmm. 56% 56% wanted suppression and 44% wanted elimination. Mm. Scott, does that surprise you? It does surprise me a little bit. Yeah, I would have thought you'd have more, more in favour of elimination. Yeah, I would have thought. Maybe people realise that elimination is probably not a realistic um, expectation. Maybe. Well, I just think they've got to look at our cousins across the ditch. Our cousins across the ditch have, have, have achieved it. We don't know They that. had eliminated well, they have eliminated. They have eliminated spread within their community. Now that is a very big success for them. For now, now like I, it's only going to come in if they open up their borders again, which they're going to be under pressure to do that. But considering what's happened in Victoria, I can understand them having a very jaundiced view of Australia right now. Mm. You know, and, and I just think that. Um, we are never going to eliminate the virus 100% across the planet. But until we've got a vaccine, I don't think we've got any choice but to go for elimination of community spread. Now, that's not going to eliminate people going into lockdown when they first arrive in the country and developing the virus when they're in quarantine in hotels. 
you don't count those numbers as community spread. You count those numbers if the disease gets out of the it gets out of the um, quarantine zone as it did in Victoria, and then it gets into the community and spreads. So I think that um, elimination is the right way we should be going now. And I don't know whether or not we're going to achieve that in Victoria, but we've got it pretty much under control in Queensland and New South Wales, it's getting back under control again now. They seem to be able to track down people a hell of a lot faster than Victoria did. So I do think it is possible that we could eliminate it in Australia if we're prepared to do the right thing, if we're prepared to suppress the economy for another six weeks and if you're going to continue to have people wearing masks and then after that, once you've eliminated your community, once you've eliminated community spread, then you can open up bars and restaurants again. If you were allowed to go across the ditch into New Zealand, you would find life would be completely normal there the way it was prior to the pandemic. It would be like the Whitsundays right now. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Everyone was happy. You know you 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 thought... Are people really happy in New Zealand? I can tell you, people are happy in the Wind Sundays. They're they're they really happy. Be. They're really happy. Up can there. I lodge an objection to the term "do the right thing"? <laughs> I mean, you're you're making a huge assumption, Scott, to to say that you know people who follow the government's directions are doing the right thing. We don't know what the right thing is. We just don't know enough about this virus to know what the right thing is. Just assume, well, Paul. Just assume. Just, just go with your gut. Can, can I ask, so you don't believe that shutdown works, <laughs> no, was? No. So you don't believe that it reduces infections and transmissions? Oh, uh, yeah. It does? Yeah. Okay, it's the morbidity thing. So it's, it's it's the, you've got to weigh up the whole pros and cons. Okay, if you're so, just to judge it by okay. how much it stops the spread or stops COVID deaths, well, yeah. yeah, there's probably an argument for lockdown, but the bigger picture, yep. there's, a, there's a lot more at play here. Okay, so I just want to – okay, because I thought you were at the point where you were really almost saying that it doesn't even stop infection, so I just needed to get I, – I was never saying that either, really. I don't think it stops infections. No, I think it, it, slows, well, it down. slows it down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not against lockdown because I don't think it does anything. I'm against right. it because yep. what it does is arguably as bad as, you know – what happens without it? We seem to have got to a point in a society where we're measuring the success of our whole society by how many COVID deaths we have. Yes, and societies, are, there's ridiculous. a lot more to life than that, isn't there, really? <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about measuring the performance of the economy by GDP and how ridiculous that is. How ridiculous is it just measuring the performance of a society by how many people die from one particular pathogen? And, and, and so in your sort of alternative um, sort of thing would be to look after the vulnerable but otherwise let the virus take its course is that oh, not is that, necessarily no i thought oh, i'm looking at was kind of at that point so you, you yeah. it seemed to me that's what the, i can the remember opposite saying. of lockdown isn't let it rip yeah you know that we seem to so have what, been we, trapped into this sort so of what what sort of measures we've got people who are yeah, for lockdown or, or people so who that, want to let it rip so that's know, what i'm it, asking it doesn't seem to be any middle ground that's why i'm asking you tell me what I'm, what your a sensible middle ground yeah, yeah what sort of things would you think are good um so i'd i'd put all kids back in school okay um, what, what sort of restrictions would you do? So rather than what you'd allow, what restrictions would you put in place? Um, 
Well, I'd, I'd have to rely on the experts there. But hang on. We've and, already, and the evidence. We've, we've already the just, evidence. We've, we've, but we've just said experts yeah. are disagreeing. Yeah. So I'm asking you what – you don't like what Andrew's government is doing. What, mm. what would you – do if you were in charge that would be different what what well, one, would one you of, one not- of the things i'd do if i was in charge that people aren't talking about is i would be giving people advice on how to improve their immune system okay and how to reduce their personal risk of hospitalization okay. and death of covid-19 and one of the strongest okay. things you can do one of the best things that you can do to yep. reduce your risk of either hospitalization yep. or death from covid-19 is lose weight. Okay. Public and edu- no one's talking okay. about that. Health education, you would do. What else? What What would you – What is there anything that you would stop people doing? Because you just said, I'm not saying we would let it rip. So tell me what wouldn't you allow? What restrictions do you think are reasonable and, and you would think, well, we need to stop people doing that? Um, I, I wouldn't well, personally I, object I, I to don't, masks I don't think. I don't think we need to – to put laws in place to stop people doing anything. Okay. I think we provide guidance. Okay, so you would have no laws at all of restriction. You would have public education and you'd have suggestions to people. Yeah, guidelines on right the types of things that you could do to reduce your risk. Right, but if 50,000 people want to go to the football, they can go. So, so, so when you said we're not going to suggest let it rip, but in essentially, you are saying to the public, advise you not to let it rip, but not going to stop you if you do. I would treat the public like they're adults. Yeah. So you're not going to... Not st- like their children. Are you kind of along the same way with this, Paul? Is yeah. It- okay. I'm, so- I'm not against uh, the, the government, you know, make, giving advice and, and, for example, advising people to wear masks in public if that can be shown to be effective. Right. Just- what I am against... Mm is destroying people's livelihoods okay. because of one pathogen. Okay. So previously you've suggested that we uh, let the virus run its course but we protect the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at uh, nursing homes, mm. for example, and we've admitted or you've admitted that Sweden made mistakes with nursing homes. Right? Mm. How do you propose to protect the vulnerable in nursing homes under under the Woz and Paul uh, regime, bearing in mind that we've got people who work there who work at three or four different nursing homes. Well, I'd stop that for a starter. (laughs) I say, okay, so there's a restriction. So so there's one restriction. That's the first law of the Woz premiership is if you work in a nursing home, you can't work in another one. I suppose that's so. That's law number one. Are you? Yeah. Well, there there could be industrial reforms such as paying decent wages and sick leave to people who work in those facilities, so they can stay home when they're sick and not feel pressured to go to work because they can't afford to take a day off. Okay, but are you in line with the Was Law to stop people from working in multiple nursing homes, or are you just going to suggest to them that they don't and, and hope that they don't? Are you, are you? He's ready to write a law. Are I'm, you ready to I'm, write a no, law? No, 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 no. I'm not in favour of you know outlawing things. You know, every yeah. time you have a problem, pass a law yeah. and stop people doing something. That yeah. is not my approach at all. Yeah. as you know. Yeah. So, uh, so um, the people who work in the nursing home, mm. cleaning the beds, sweeping the floors, making the meals, 
they're out in this community that is unregulated mm-hmm. mm. and with a high chance that they will pick up the virus at some point. Mm. And then they go into work and they're doing the cleaning, et cetera, in the nursing home. So when you talked about let's protect the vulnerable, mm. other than saying that they can't work in multiple nursing homes, what mm. other measures would you put in place that would protect the vulnerable that would stop the disease running through a nursing home? Um, there'd be restrictions on visitations. But, uh, okay, but I'm yeah. sort of talking about the workers themselves are going to bring it in and they're having close yeah. contact. They're showering people. Yeah. They're, they're cleaning them. They're, like, yeah. they're preparing their meals. Yeah. So you don't, how are you going to stop? you probably put a mask on them. And you think Why not? I, if that's going to make a difference. Okay. But, but, but can work. I just, but, can but I just the, add that I think these laws should be in place in nursing homes irregardless of COVID-19 because if you've got people working across different nursing homes and going into these places where there's vulnerable people yeah. and you've got all these other pathogens that are out there in society, including yeah. influenza, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good idea to have people working across multiple nursing homes anyway because that's a that's a okay. that's a risk okay but when and there's no real cost involved with stopping people from working at multiple different i mean if there is a cost involved with that it would be fairly minimal so i mean wherever right. there's a minimal cost and you can have a yep. a significant impact i'd be all for that okay definitely. but but previously you've said i think we should be unrestricted relatively or mm. virtually but we must protect the vulnerable. Absolutely. And, and and at this point, your only protection for somebody in a nursing home is that a worker will have a mask on and they won't be working at another nursing home. Mm. Do you feel confident? No, and the restrictions on visitations. And restrictions on visitations. And do you feel confident that that would keep the COVID-19 out of a nursing home? No, I don't think it would keep COVID-19 out of a nursing home, okay. but I wouldn't but, I wouldn't try to keep COVID-19 out of a nursing home in much the same way as I wouldn't try and uh, my drastic measures to my keep mistake. influenza because, out of a nursing because home. Because when you said we must protect the vulnerable, I immediately yeah. thought nursing homes. Yeah. And I immediately thought protection would mean stop elderly people from do, doing what you can to stop the elderly minimizing Minimising the risk. Yeah. So at this point, the only minimising you would do is restrict visitations. Mm-hmm. You would put masks on the staff, yep. and you wouldn't let them work in multiple facilities. And I would do that. And do you really, even if COVID nineteen wasn't okay? And you think that would be think- effective? You, you, no. And after all that, you still admit that probably the virus are getting anyway. Yeah. So then you're not really protecting the vulnerable, are you? Not not a hundred percent. Well, but Trevor, even in hospitals, people die of infections that people bring in. Can we just deal with this issue and we mm. move sideways to another issue later? Yep. But so really, it's a bit of a furphy to say let's protect the vulnerable because really, if that's the only measures, we're pretty much giving up on them. And if that's no, the decision, I'm saying minimise the risk. I'm not saying protect them. I'm saying well, minimise well, the risk. Well, Take practical steps to minimise the risk. Okay, but that. In my mind, and who knows, but to me, that's really not going to cut it in terms of if I had an elderly mother in a nursing home and I saw Mm. that those were the new rules and I was told, Trevor, 
we've minimised the risk, mm. I'd say, bullshit. That's, mm. that's she's going to get it. But yeah. Trevor, if, there's always risk. But, Life but, is not oh, risk-free I know. anywhere. T- true, but here's the point. We, the, the argument was initially let's let it run through the community but protect the vulnerable. And what I'm really trying to expose is you don't have a plan that genuinely protects the vulnerable. So your plan really is just let it go. If, if that's the case, just say it. But it's you can't say, oh, my plan is that we let it, uh, let it run through the community and we protect the vulnerable. When, when, when I ask you what are these protections and you, and you really they're not genuine protections, they're, they're bullshit protections. So I, I'm just trying to expose... Hypocrisy here. It's not hypocrisy. Bullshit it's, protection. It's, yeah, yeah it's, a mask. Why are they bullshit protection? Because it's it not going to be effective. Why is it hypocrisy? It's not going to be a hundred percent effective. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be effective, Trevor. Do you? But do you, you thought you just said before that you you said, minimise risk to an acceptable level, like but, you do with every other th- but, but risk. You, but you just said before you admitted you don't treat this risk any different than any other but, risk. But you admitted before that the, that the virus would get in. Yeah. Because those those measures really Look, aren't going to stop There's a risk it. of old people falling over in nursing homes. Okay, you can't guarantee that you're not going to have people falling over in nursing homes. I see. So you wouldn't put your mother in a nursing home where there was a possibility okay. that she could fall over. Okay, now we're talking levels of risk. So yes, I'm saying I've, I'm all, I've always been talking levels of risk. Trevor. I'm, you're I'm, talking about I'm, elimination. I'm talking yeah, about management of risk yeah. to an acceptable level, yeah, yeah. like we do with every other what, hazard. What, what do you in a nursing What do you imagine home? in your mind the risk level would be? in a nursing home under the regime of workers uh, only work in one nursing home, visitations are limited, one or two relatives perhaps, is that what we're saying? And Well, you and, get, a, you a, get a bunch of experts in a room and you do a full-blown risk already, assessment workshop. We can't trust experts because they come up with different... Um, it, it you can't does, trust one does, expert, does it, but does you, it, get, you get a multidisciplinary team of experts in a room... This is what we do in the mining industry. I used to do in the mining yeah. industry. You get a multidisciplinary team of experts in a room for however long it takes. You go through a full risk workshop, risk analysis. You decide on acceptable levels of risk and control measures and hazards and likelihoods and consequences. And out of that risk assessment workshop, you get a risk plan and then that risk plan gets born down into and, procedures and, you would go and with processes. That. And you would go with that. That's what we do for every other risk in society, okay. in every other but, but that's industry, we, in every that's other. That's what we've just done at that's a what, government. That's, that's what we've just done at a government level. No, we didn't do we, that. We, we've had a bunch. We of had experts. a knee-jerk reaction. No, no, that's what we've just to done a at a government report level. report that was written a by the Royal Imperial College in the UK. We, well, well, you see, that's what people would say we've just done is got a bunch of experts together we, and devised a plan. I wish we and, had have done that. And so, all right. Um, I think I've made my Scott, any input into that before we move on? Um, you gents, are you aware of the Burnett Institute report? Oh, God, no. Burnett Institute, no. Okay. That was the report that was tabled. Well, it was Norman Swan did a report on mm. a 7.30 report. I heard you then sigh about that was. <laughs> um, Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. He said that the R value, the reproduction number, was about 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.7, 1.
That means that every 10 people that were infected with it were infecting 17 others. Where, where was okay. this? Where and when was this? This is in Victoria. 1.7. So when? Yeah. And, and this is just uh, and this is in the last, before the recent shutdown. First to the seventh. First to the seventh. First to the seventh, twenty twenty. Yep. One point seven means you infect one point seven other people, Scott. Mm. Yes. Not yeah. seventeen. Yes. So no, he said person, ten infect seventeen. It's one, oh. one, ten people infect oh, seventeen ten. people. Yeah, right. Okay. right. Sorry. The spread now is ten infecting eleven people. Now, what that says is that that equates to twenty thousand a reduction in the number of infections by 20,000 people. So do you still not think lockdowns work? No, he does say that lockdowns work in terms right. of spreading, in terms of preventing the spread of the infection. if you're going to measure but, success but he, by one variable, but, but that's had, just simplistic and dumb. But he has a different, he looks at morbidity and other factors in there. So, all right, let's move on. Um, no, okay, but I, I just think you end up with a hell of a lot more dead if you had 20,000 extra infections, that's all. Mm. We're going to end up with a lot of dead people as a result of the economic downturn globally. So we can't say we're, you know, just saving lives. We're saving some lives at the expense of some other lives. And I'd go further than that because it's not deaths versus deaths. It's it's overall human flourishing and suffering. Uh, We've we've dealt with all that previously and we'll dealt with it again. But seriously, Scott, I've got to move it on because it's going to kill me. We've just got one more thing I've got to say. Okay, get it off your chest. That you've, got this, you've got this situation where you get people that recover from it and they've got damaged organs oh. and that sort of thing after that. Now, I don't know what the numbers are, but they are significant. Like every other respiratory illness, Scott. Exactly. Well, this okay, isn't unique. Is. This isn't unique. You have a respiratory Scott, illness, you're going to end did, up with did scarring that, on your did, lungs. Did that feel better, Scott, or not? <laughs> You're banging your head against the wall. No, Don't do that. He didn't listen to me. <laughs> no, that's I right. I am banging my head against the wall. Anyway. Um, uh, yes, go on, Trevor. According to Liberal MP Craig Kelly, Dan Andrews should be in jail for 25 years. <laughs> really? I yes. know. What a fucking idiot. Because um, he didn't... Uh, endorse he didn't endorse hydroxychloroquine yes. like his mate... 25 yeah. years is a bit harsh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, I mean, um, 20 would be more than enough, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, um, so Craig, that's. Craig's not known for being moderate. Is no. can, I, can I just check? We don't have anybody here in favour of hydroxychloroquine, do we? Don't have an opinion on it. I don't know anything about it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not in favour because a, the, the, the reports and that sort of stuff that have been done on it, you know, you had Britain actually suspend the, the research into it because they found that it didn't work. Okay, I need a break from this. Okay. And I can't think of anything better than um, I got a voicemail message. <laughs> Just um, wondering, wondering how your how your Hillsong adventure's going. <laughs> and um, let, me, let me just see. Let me just see what the uh, voicemail message is. Here we go. Hi, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend. Hello, Shilsong Brisbane campus, Alpha Course Outreach, Samson speaking. Oh, hello, Delilah. Look, let me just turn off my rock and roll. How can I help you, Delilah? Oh, candidates for the Alpha Course? Yes, please. Now, what's his name? Brilliant. Was. Was? What kind of a name is that? Wasn't able to spell his whole name? <laughs> oh, yes. 
Sorry, Jesus. Sorry for making fun of your lost sheep. Okay, Delilah, and his surname? Sponsor? Was Sponsor? That is a very strange name. What's his middle name? De Beer. Was De Beer Sponsor? De Beer, like the diamond people? My goodness. This could mean millions in tithings for us. <laughs> Wouldn't that make him a Jew? Well, yes, we don't want any spies here. I tell you what, when he gets here, we'll fill him full of coffee and I'll send some young men into the bathroom to follow him. We'll soon find out whether he's a head or a helmet. <laughs> okay, you leave it with me. I'm just going to get some new music. <laughs> Thank you, Samson. Oh, I was under the impression. That was brilliant. I love that. I was under the impression it was uh, Cavaliers versus Roundheads. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. There we go. There we go. We've talked about penises, right. dear listener. Right. We've got that out of our system. Right. Uh, Thanks, Landon. I can't wait to catch up with you for another beer sometime. Right. Uh, I hope it's soon. Uh, actually, I did mean to mention one other thing before beforehand. Last week we spoke about New York, mm-hmm. and I said that New York had been overrun, and you said, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it was some hospitals were overrun and some weren't. Mm. Was you right? I looked oh. it up, and you're right. God. So I, in future, won't use the expression that New York was overrun. I'll just say yeah. that some hospitals were, and it was in a state that we wouldn't want to replicate ourselves. Yeah. But uh, So my argument is still the same in that we wouldn't want to be in a New York-style position. Oh, but God, I wouldn't, no one would wish for that. I wouldn't uh, say that it was overrun in the same way as it did before. So yeah. there you go. Thanks, Trevor. Give me that one. No, I was thinking about that um, over the last two weeks, and I went to visit a friend's mother a couple of years ago. She'd taken a fall during the night, and she ended up in hospital, um, and we went to visit her Sunday morning. And I walked into the emergency room and there were stretchers lined up in the hall and people were being treated on stretchers on a Sunday morning. And I made some inquiries and I said, what's going on here? This is chaos. And the nursing staff just basically said, this is a normal Sunday morning. After a Saturday night on the Gold Coast, Oh, okay. we just get so many into the emergency department here that we've got no other option but to treat them in the... Right. Corridors, right, and so I wouldn't imagine that that's too different a situation that we see in hospitals all around the world, all the time, pandemic yeah. or not. Well, so, except now during a lockdown, those people can't go out and hurt themselves, so there's less accidents. It's one of the indirect benefits of a lockdown. But yes, anyway, there is we'll some move benefits. On. Right, um, Bunnings, Karen. <laughs> So she was uh, Karen. Well, there was a lady in a in a in a Bunnings store going off about whether she had to wear a mask or not, and I think she videotaped herself and posted it in, I in, seen in it, outrage. I and like, there's a few of these going around, mm. mostly from America, but yeah. we've got our own sort of thing now. But um, the idea of a Karen, I find interesting mm. that um, that it's now a term that's used for a sort of a privileged white woman who's complaining about things and wants mm. to see the manager in an out, in an outraged sort of um, vent that most of us would think is unnecessary. And um, So it used to be OK Boomer. 
didn't it? Well, that's still like, well, that's it's shifted a little bit. Slightly to, different term. Slightly is it okay, Karen, or is it? Uh, it? It's just a Karen, like a Bunnings Karen, for example. Right. Or if just it happened, the name on its own yeah. is a derogatory yeah. term or don't enough. Be, or she's such don't a, be a Karen. She's yeah. such a Karen. Yeah. So um, I feel sorry for Karens out there. I know a lot of Karens and they're all uh, lovely. Right. They are all lovely. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I feel sorry for them. Get yeah. all the Karens out there. Yeah, but um, it's just interesting that, that that's sort of a term that's coming up. Um, Google is now making it easier to find black-owned businesses. Mm. So Google is launching a new tool that allows businesses to identify themselves as black-owned through the company's maps and search listings. Um, so basically when you do a search for... A, I don't know, a bakery, it will might have a highlight on it that, um, you know, it's got its reviews out of five stars and it could have a rating and it will also have a little indication of whether it's black-owned if it is. And you can, you can pull. I'm sure the 12th man has an opinion uh, on Do this. you have an opinion on whether it's a good idea does. for Google to... Um, it's a good idea for businesses to be identifying whether they're owned by any particular racial group. It's madness, isn't it? I mean, these people who think they're reducing racism by always talking about race, you know, alleged, you know, so-called race, because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I don't accept the idea that there, that there are various human races, but um, for want of a better term, they use it to demark people of specific physical appearances, don't they? Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's what you look like on the outside. And well, I mean, that's and, what, and what race, you identify as. That's but, what but it's gone beyond that. That's what you identify as now. Oh, it's so. so much bullshit, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, where does it stop? Right. Do we, do we on, on businesses, for example, do you, do you need to, to know if they so, had sort of Chinese ancestors or, you know, they could have... So if, the, um, in the football, they've had the Indigenous round... And one of the teams had a New Jersey design for the Indigenous round mm. and there was a player complaining about the design, complaining about it. Why? And as I just sort of read the, 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 the headline and looked at the picture, I thought, oh, some white player is complaining about the Indigenous jersey. But then as I read it on, he's actually Indigenous. There but, you go. You can't he, tell anymore. But you, <laughs> you really can't. Yeah, I, I honestly thought he was just a straight-up white footballer, but apparently he was Indigenous. And, yeah. and how many times? So when you're saying it's race based on appearance, well, not anymore. It's no, but how many times just, in the last few years have you been watching TV right. and somebody will be interviewed? For example, I saw this guy who was a surfer, yep. you know. He looked just like another Aussie surfer and he was mm. saying, oh, I'm really proud to be out there surfing you know, being an indigenous surfer, and I mm. looked at him and I thought, "Really?" You know, mm. I mean, for- I had it happen in real life with it's a mate just, of mine that I've known for two years. It's just a fashion. And now, I was talking know? about Aboriginals, and he said, "Do you know I'm Aboriginal?" And I was like, "I had no idea." Right. His his grandmother is yeah, almost full blood. And Aboriginal. do you and do you care either way? No, not really. No, but um, anyway, I just remember looking at him. Ah, oh, 
oh my god, I've got that around the wrong way as I read the article. So, so there's there's a, there's a symbol on Google to say that this is a black owned business. Yes, there's also a symbol that says women led. Yes, business, oh, really? and there's is another it? one that is LGBTQIXYZ. Uh, right. There we go. So I'm wondering where that's going to stop. Is they are they gonna look at all the other minority groups now and give them the opportunity? Yeah. So we had uh, issues with coon cheese. <laughs> we did. And now And now we've got the guy who complained about coon cheese oh, God. has now complained about Paul's smart white milk. Mm-hmm. Um, That's your milk, Paul. Indigenous rights milk. activist Dr. <laughs> Stephen Hagen is calling for Paul's French parent company to replace the smarter white label because it's offensive to Aboriginals. Scott. Yes. What do you think of that one? Smart that Paul's smart white milk. No, it's uh, a load of nonsense. Right. They go it's together quite well, though, don't they? Right. Paul and smart. <laughs> right. No, I, I just think it's a load of nonsense. I think it's gone too far. I, I don't under, I could understand I could understand the name Coon being replaced because Coon is a I know it was named after the guy that first invented it, blah 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 blah. But it is a name that has got offensive connotations to our indigenous brethren. So I could understand them getting their knickers in a twist over that. What about redskins? But I do not understand the well, the redskins um, do we still have them here in Australia? I haven't seen them in years. Redskin lollies. I think Allens have taken it upon mm. themselves to change the name. Along with yeah. Chico's. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, they're going to sell out of all of their existing product first because uh, they don't want to actually yeah, take yeah. a hit to their profits. They're no. not going to take them off the shelves. They're going to sell them and then they're going to change the names. So. Well, the Redskins. Great advertising for these companies. So the Redskins uh, football team, Washington Redskins, has in the USA has agreed to change its name. So, but also the Redskin Lolly, yeah, has agreed to change its name. Yep. But where does it end? I mean, what about freckles? There's not many left. Freckles, you know the chocolates that discriminates against people with pale skin who freckle easily, Mm. doesn't it? I don't know. But you know with milk, like if you survey enough people, a significant number think that uh, chocolate milk comes from brown cows. <laughs> Are you serious? You're joking. Uh, not joking. And also this was from an episode. Now, this is going back about four years or so. Um, I think and in one of my books on that bookshelf there was talking about um, black culture in America and its propensity that mothers don't breastfeed, that they only use formula. And this person who worked in a breastfeeding clinic was explaining to a new mother how to breastfeed and she said, what? You mean milk comes out of these things? (laughs) Dead set. Seriously. Dead set. Can we so, have an old so, episode about the stupidity so, of people? So, so this is one of my favourite well, topics. You might. Some people might argue your feature on it was. So, so be careful what yeah. be careful what you wish for. Send so, in your feedback. Yeah, just uh, just be careful what you wish for there. But white milk. I mean, it's becoming incredibly absurd, isn't it? I mean, what colour do they want milk to be? Yeah. So. Um, so there we go. That's milk. Bananas. I, I have an objection to yellow bananas, you know, because, I don't know, it's just something about the colour. It reminds <laughs> me of the yellow hordes coming yeah. down. <laughs> okay. Um, the AFL um, 
has its own um, sort of media team and one of its reporters um, retweeted um, a story about one of the players' wives being out of quarantine and getting her hair done or her nails done or something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, and so he was stood down for five days for reporting that and there was a bit of an outrage as to whether that was the right thing to do or not. So a bit of a tricky one, I think, because okay. um, he calls – they sort of call themselves journalists working for the AFL media team, but really – you're kind of like a PR person for the AFL because you're employed by the AFL Sounds and like it. and you're not necessarily a journalist even if you call yourself one. You're sort of in de- you're not like you're some sort of independent um so anyway, he got wrapped over the knuckles. Did you see that one at all, Scott? Did you have an opinion? No, or, okay. I didn't realise he was employed by the AFL. Yeah. Ah. So it's part of the AFL's media sort of yeah. thing, which which they promote as being independent. But Ultimately, it's owned by the AFL. So they were angry with him because he's, he has exposed um, a wrongdoing by one of the WAGs. But he did it after the WAG had already been exposed by other people. There was a refreshing mm. piece of good news coming out of football, though. Yes. Our old, old mate Israel Folau refused to take a knee <laughs> when the rest of the team did, apparently. Indeed. At, at the beginning of a match. Good on you, Israel. Somewhere over in Europe where he's currently keep, got keep a gig. Keep up the good work, mate. Yeah, so he refused to join teammates and opponents in taking a knee to acknowledge the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Well, there you go. That's tricky for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> for, yes. the, for the people who are pro-Black Lives Matter, when a black guy refuses to take a knee, it's what are you going to do? You're going to abuse him as a class traitor. Is that what you do? They'll probably call him a coconut, won't they? Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the insult that you get. Yeah. A coconut, but, a but token. I, I, mm. I didn't read his reasons, but no. I'm sure they're religious. No doubt. Well, and, we, we, and, we're assuming they are. We don't yeah, know really. Yeah, but let's take it because there was another player in the US in some basketball thing who refused to take a knee and his reasons were religious mm. and he got a bit of a, a, a green light and a pass from the public because his reasons were religious. So if he'd had some philosophical all lives matter um, yeah. reasoning. That wouldn't be acceptable. That the mm. world would have come down on him. Mm. But when he said, oh, it's a matter of religion. Yeah, I, my I superstition don't, I, doesn't I, allow me yeah, to do I that. I feel I can only bow before my God mm. and I, as a matter of a religious principle, don't bow to anybody because it's a to me, a pagan sort of acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair enough. You cream off for that. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it, where do you go with that? That's, I find that fascinating. I where find that go? fascinating, that whole sort of mixture of mm. ideologies. Yep. Um, when they're not based on, when they're not based on a logical, coherent set of values, mm. but are based on identities, yes. that's when you get these mixed up, Cross identities totally mucking up your your system. If you mm. thought something was right, but then somebody with a different identity uses that, and then completely ignores what you're doing, that's mm. then okay. It's people need to understand there's an inherent failure in your value system mm. when it can be so um, disrupted yep. uh, by another identity. Yeah. So. 
it doesn't hold up to the Socratic method, mm. Trevor. So, yes. Well, I've been trying the Socratic method on you a fair bit, was and keep uh, trying. Yeah, keep trying. Yeah. Well, I can only do it in in little small bits. Like <laughs> I've sort of achieved one aim today with the nursing home. I'll pick yeah. away at it as as best. And I as, think I conceded as, a point as, as Bromwin as best as Bromwin and I can handle it. <laughs> so yeah. So, um. Uh, Palace Chook, Queensland, um, voluntary assisted dying. Mm. Obviously not going to get through before the next election. No. She's had a pretty good run. Like she's looking, you would think, fairly good given the COVID response Mm. is looking good, given that Mm. the opposition are fighting amongst themselves. and, um, And I reckon... Well, it would seem that voluntary assisted dying, they should get in and it should be part of our laws in the next term. Scott, mm. do you reckon its chances are pretty good now? Well, I would have thought they're a whole lot better now than what they were prior to the pandemic starting. Mm. But um, I think she has handled herself very well in the pandemic. Um, she closed the border and she kept it closed longer than what a lot of people wanted it closed. And She's probably opened it at about the right time and she's also picked up people coming from Sydney and saying you can't come to the state anymore. So, you know, it's... Um, and what about how she's handled voluntary assisted dying, Scott? I don't think she's handled that at all well. I thought she should, I thought she should have brought it to a vote by now. Yeah. And Do you think it was ex- politically smart, though, to delay? Because uh, I think she's holding... Voters to ransom. I think you might be right. I think that's a little trump card. She could be be keeping that. If things were tough, she could drag that one out and say, Mm. well, there's 80% of Queenslanders want voluntary assisted dying. If she could pull it, she might be a lot smarter and more patient than what we think by just holding that off. Well, it's it's smart, but she's also... Playing with people's lives, yes, isn't she? Mm. It's a big risk because if if the Labor Party lost the election, everybody knows that voluntary assisted dying would be buried. Yeah, I mean, so there's going to be a delay in the period mm. between when she could have brought in voluntary assisted dying laws and when she actually will. And yeah. during that period, there are a lot of Queenslanders that are going to endure a lot of unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. And and the way I see it, she's using that to her political advantage. Yep. Which is well, terribly we'll immoral. The, we'll have to see what the eventual sizes of the um, uh, legislation that she puts forward. Now, yeah. I would have thought it would be brutal and incredibly immoral if she made us wait 18 months before we could actually get access to it. Now, we've already had it rolled out in Victoria, you could argue that they're very similar jurisdictions and therefore we understand what we voted for, we understand why we want it. So we don't need to have the same waiting period. We could have a six-month waiting period. That would be a hell of a lot more palatable than making us wait 18 months for it. Roman is still in the chat room, so she survived uh, you, the initial Roman. discussion, Roman, and she said, be careful what you wish for, guys. We have had legislation in Victoria, but it has a number of fundamental problems which mean that very few people can actually use it. So from memory, I thought we were kind of copying the... Victorian yeah. model, but I thought the recommendation the- from the um, not the workshop. Uh, what, do, what do they call that? The public the public consultation. Uh, the, the committee or yeah, the, the, the draft that went to the committee. Or- yeah, the committee recommended pretty much the laws that are in 
Victoria be implemented here and it was a case of just taking it off the shelf and and putting it there in was, but there there's limitations there in them but I think the the guys in for that are you know advocating for voluntary assisted dying are saying well at least it's a um a foot in the door and uh that's that's something and then we can work from there to uh to to relax the um the the laws over over time Deep Throat, deep throat uh, would, would know the answer. Yeah, he would. Yeah. yeah, I thought Deep Throat told us that there was let, a difference. Let me just see. Let me just see if I can grab Deep Throat because uh, he might be he might be available with a bit of luck. <clears throat> Zion, he would see how we go. Banging his head against the wall. Hi, Trevor. Deep Deep I Throat. I've got a question for you. Okay. Do you have yeah, a helmet the, on? <laughs> the the voluntary assisted dying laws in Queensland that have been proposed yep. are they any different to Vic, are they the same as Victoria or different in any way? Um, there's a few little differences. Yes, um, you know, in terms of residency, it's a little bit easier. Also, trying to get rid of the um, um, the six month rule um, make it less. To get rid of that, that's that's, that's another one. But, that that but was the rule that you had to be dying within six months in order to access yeah, it. For, right. for neurological conditions, twelve months. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's a big problem because you can't really put a, an accurate time yep. on uh, on this. So, um, so those those are the specific things, and of course, um, I was just listening to Scott before, and um, it is a bit different in terms of we've already got a bill in place in terms of where you to go from the Wilmot, Professor Wilmot and um, yes. Wilmot uh, from the QUT. And so it's all ready to go from that point of view. And some of the, so it does follow the same model as Victoria, but it is less restrictive. There we go. So it doesn't have the six-month rule and it's got easier residency requirements. And the bill is ready to go. Yeah, yep. that's right, that's right. Um, we would like, it, it, I'm with going with the new Queensland, and we would like um, to, to let's restrict restrictive residency. Because if you think about it, say someone is um, not a resident of Queensland, uh, they're a resident of Queensland, but they they, they have just arrived, you know, in, 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 from not very long ago, um, they're actually excluded from this if they're in Victoria because of the the residency requirements on Western Australia. So there are things that we, I think we can improve in Queensland that were restricted. As Bronwyn said, forcing, I think it was Bronwyn said, forcing them from the, on the Victorian government, so they're the Liberals. Um, so in, in a sense, going with Dignity Queensland, got everything it asked for from the recommendations by the Labor-controlled um, parliamentary inquiry. Um, and you might not know that the Liberals, the LNP, um, actually put up recommendations against voluntary assisted dying. But when you read through what their arguments were, they were very trivial and, um, and, and, and didn't go to the, the, the guts of the, of the matter as it were. And, um, so if, if anyone reads through their recommendations, you'd go, well, that's nothing. Right? And um, so, um, yeah. You're, you're a beacon of rational thought. Deep throat. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your I've, contribution I've, once I've, again. I've got, yeah. a, I've got a question. Yeah, I've got, I've got, somewhere along the line, I'd like to sort of um, 
um, inform your listeners on how they're going in Queensland because um, it, it does come down to what happens in the election and you're, you're better right. And um, I hope you're right about that theory with Palaszczuk, um, but I don't know. And the thing I... The thing that worried me is actually Clive Palmer. You know, he might swing things towards the LNP. Mm. And if the LNP get control, he can kiss that voluntary sister down the bow. It's, um, it's yeah. not going to happen because despite the fact that um, Ted Sacklington has said that it will be a conscience, a conscience mm. vote, the, the machinations behind the scenes with, you know, what's been going on, you can see that with the resignation of the LNP president. So it's just, yeah, it's not going to be a true conscience vote, I don't think, because pressure will be brought to bear. Um, but what, if, if, can I just make an appeal to Queensland listeners? We have to get all candidates to declare their position on DOD. Mm-hmm. Just saying, if they say, I just want to wait to see what legislation is, that's just crap. Because, as I say, we've got a, a, a some legislation ready to go. Sure, it's gone to the Law Reform Commission, but what are they going to do? You know, um, the two professors that put this forward were part of the Law Reform Commission before, so they know what they're doing. Yep. So we need all candidates to say, this is my position, whether they say yes or no. But the electors, mm. electors of Queensland need to know what their politicians stand for. So are you guys creating a list of what people are, who's standing in, in favour of it and who's not? Absolutely, and we're, we're working towards that, and we're going to put out a, a survey to all the candidates. But right now, actually, you know, we don't know all the candidates. But not all of them have declared their position or that, you know, so, that they're going to run. Are you guys, got, are you guys ringing them up individually? And, oh, we're, going, uh, we're trying to go and see them. We're actually right. going to Good on you. Um, so there's a lot of work going on trying to get to the right position, but Compared to previous elections, this is quite early. You don't find about these things until about four weeks before. Right. Okay. So you guys are physically going and seeing each one. That's good. Mm. We're trying to, but certain politicians won't see it. I wonder why. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, While you're there, ask them what religion they are, because I can work on my secular index with your information. <laughs> I think Waz okay. has got a question. Yeah, Dietrich, I'm, okay. I'm looking well, forward to having a celebratory beer with you when this uh, legislation. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a celebratory beer with you when this legislation gets passed, and I, I think okay. it'll, it'll get passed uh, later in the year. But um, I wanted your comment on the uh, position. There was some news uh, last week or the week before it might have been about how... Can, can Trevor paraphrase that because I couldn't really make uh, it out? Deb, Deb Frecklington, Frecklington has ordered her MPs not to speak to people about voluntary assisted dying or speak yes. to... Yes. Yeah, that's, has, that's have you correct. got a comment on that? Um, well, it's a bit disingenuous, isn't it? We've got um, over 80% support in the community mm-hmm. for this. And actually, you know what? It isn't even a religious um, a religious issue because if you look at the Catholics in Queensland, 77% of them yes. support it. It's just the hierarchy mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church that doesn't support it. Yep. It's just the religious fundamentals that don't support it. And this worries me because if, if it's only them that's doing it, that means they're the ones who are controlling the LNP from behind. That's what it seems to me. Mm-hmm. So... So, Craig, if your organisation is trying to contact politicians and ask them their view on it, but 
the LNP is saying so to don't its, engage in conversation to its parliamentary members, don't talk to these groups, then you're just not going to find out, are you? Well, we will continue to work on this. Right. We're not going to give up. We want to know, and as I said, the electors of Queensland need to know where their politicians stand. And this has been an issue. Buying the Sydney Queensland has been going for 35 years now. So, and we've got this parliamentary inquiry. We've had nearly 5,000 submissions um, during the process when the parliamentary uh, parliamentarians on the committee went around Queensland and that. So, and most of those submissions were in favour of voluntary assisted dying. Um, we've got a parliamentary court um, recommending it. What is the problem? You know, it, it's just no excuse to say um, either we'll wait for the legislation to come before Parliament before I make a decision. And it's just not good enough to say, well, I'm not too sure about it because one of the things we're hearing all the time is it's a very complex issue. Well, it's actually not that complex compared mm. to some things. Mm. So, uh, it, but it's I just really think... The temerity to say don't engage with your electorate. I mean, that's what we pay politicians to do. Yeah. That's part of their role. Like, and and they're being w- told don't do it. Exactly. That's just ridiculous. And we, we want to vote for people who are going to um, put into legislation the measures that we want or that we yeah, think. Yeah, they're our representatives. Wouldn't you and they're think? being told don't engage with yeah. us. Like, yes. And I... A, f- a couple of weeks ago, I challenged the um, local LMP candidate for my district and I asked him very directly what was his position and he just wouldn't give me a straight answer. Yeah, and I asked him as well. What's I his, what's his name? Times. James something, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. he is holding um, community mm. um, forums and I'm yeah. going to get along to one of them and, and yeah, ask it to his very face. very unfortunate about about COVID because COVID has really destroyed our, our approach, our campaign, really. So we need somehow to bring voluntary assisted dying to the front of the of, of issues. At the moment, it's quite a way down. But if we can bring it up in, in terms of importance in the campaign, then that will force their hand. So somehow we've got to get it so it's more topical. But that's going to be really hard with COVID around. Mm. Good on you, Deep Throat. Mm. Um Keep up, Keep the, up good the good work. work. Yeah. yeah, thanks yeah. for all your work Thank on this. Craig. Thank you for that. And um, and and was it, the bruises aren't too bad on my head, so <laughs> don't worry about me. Okay. All righty. See you, Craig. Got to go. Bye. See you, okay. Craig. See you. Bye. Good on you, mate. Uh, that just reminded me of an interesting story. I had uh, I was out riding my bike last Tuesday morning, and I got a phone call from the LNP's uh, candidate staff up here at my electorate. And I think she very much regretted calling me because I gave her both barrels. And, you know, she rang up, she said, you know, what is it that you think about our economic plan? And I said, you know, she she mentioned duplicating the uh, M1 down to the Gold Coast. And I said to her that what you ought to do is you ought to duplicate the bloody Bruce Highway north of Gympie because north of Gympie it turns into a goat track. And then I just threw this off-the-cuff comment into... um, and I said, the main, my main criticism of the LNP is the Christian takeover of it. And she took exception to that. So then I gave her two very good examples of what the Christian takeover was doing to them. And she didn't have any response to those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a text message from them a couple of days later where it said, you know, thank you very much for taking the call. We appreciate your feedback on the Bruce Highway. We recommend you have a look at this person's side on uh, on Facebook 
And that's great. And so I replied to that text message. I said, again, I've noticed that you haven't mentioned anything over the Christian takeover, the LNP. That's what's really concerning me. I haven't heard a thing. Mm. But I spoke to that woman for a good 10 minutes on the whole voluntary assisted dying thing. And I said to her that my vote was for sale and the principal price of that vote was what the LNP's position was on voluntary assisted dying. And she gave me this stock standard response, we've still got to see the legislation. And I mm. cut her off then. I said, no, you've already got the legislation. Mm. It's been through this whole thing. Why the hell did you guys then come up with a contrary report to it when you had this whole thing being looked at mm. and you had 80 or 90% of the of the contributions that came in from the public in favour of it? Yeah. yeah. And, and she didn't have a response. That was good, Scott, to be able to say we need to see the legislation. And you can say, well, you've seen it. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the bill, of course. Yeah, it's the proposed bill. Yeah. yeah, the proposed bill. Yeah, Anthony Bishop is that candidate. That's right. And, and, and I said a similar he, thing to he him. He said, we don't like to rush into these things. We like to consider all yeah. the... And I was like, it's you've, a had a, shit. you've had a... They've had it for, for, for 18 months. 12 months. But longer than that, people have been you talking know? about the issue for years and yeah. years and years. Yeah. And I put that to him. I also said to him, what about the Christian takeover of the LNP? And he did not want to talk about that. Right. Exactly. Okay. And that's the that's one of the biggest concerns I had with the LNP is that they have allowed the Christians to take it over. Mm. And, you know, Deb Frackington was treated very poorly by her administrative wing. You know, how that backroom candidates and that sort of stuff trying to get her kicked out, that mm. was criminal, but she managed to survive. Mm. But, you know, I don't think she's going to be a very good Premier and I hope she doesn't get the position. Mm. Right. Anyway. Here in the thread. No, that's good. Well, I reckon, I reckon that's enough. Do you think? Yeah, already. Yeah, because um, it's having so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I survived the COVID talk. I'll just, I'll put the notes, the show notes, when we stop talking about that. So, um, and we've got plenty left in the tank for next week. So. Well, thank you in the chat room for those who hung in there and contributed, especially you, Bronwyn. Good on you. For all Victorians, genuinely feeling sorry for you guys. Hope you can keep yourselves entertained in lockdown. Um, buy some watercolours and pastels and acrylics and oils. <laughs> do you and, know somebody? And do some, just sell buy some from anybody. <laughs> do some painting. Do some, learn to play the guitar. Like do something yes. you haven't. Done before, Lose some weight. So, um, anyway, uh, we exercise we'd, for one hour a day. Yeah, the rest of the country is genuinely feeling sorry for you guys. So, good luck mm. in dealing with all that. And, um, right, see you all um, next week. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. See you guys. Cheers. Bye for now. Thanks very much for your message, too, Samson. Yes, thank you, Samson. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. Cheers. Bye now. This is a public service announcement from Deep Throat. I bid greetings to my good friends of the pod as these lands lie ravaged by the great pestilence. I pray to our Lord and angels in heaven for deliverance. To this end I have sworn an oath of solitude and undertake the ritual of prayer and cleansing until the pestilence is purged from these lands. Be safe and humble until we meet again. But if prayer and cleansing do not work, join me in appealing to Beals above for sorcery and black magic to provide us with that holy grail known as the vaccine.
Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.